to GB Mag Chats, where we answer the real questions international students have about living and studying in the UK. I'm Sophie, your host, and today we have Su Shen joining us to discuss what you should do when you get sick as a student. Su Shen, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Su Shen. As Sophie just said, <laughs> I'm 21 years old, and I'm currently in my third year studying history and politics at the University of Cambridge, and I'm from Malaysia. Thank you. It's so lovely to have you here. So obviously today we're talking about what to do when you get sick. I'm sure this is something every student will find relatable. There's no way. Well, if anyone does go their whole degree without ever getting sick, I'm very impressed. You must be a superhero. But I think it's something about being a student with a lot of other students, often living in sometimes not the best accommodation. Sometimes you have damp and things and can't afford to keep the heating on. There's so many factors at play that mean while you're a student, you're probably more likely to get sick than at other points in your life. So Shen, what's your experience of that? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone. The you're right. Everyone does fall sick at some point. The moment you get to uni, I think it's just because everyone's coming from different places, and there's so many germs like in the air.、Um, so you definitely will, and you go out a lot the first week of uni. So you'll definitely get freshest flu. I remember for my first term at uni, my first year, I was sick the entire term、uh, after after the first week, and then. Recently as well,、uh, I I thought like as a third year there would be no way I would get freshest flu just because you know I'm in my final year of school, but I did not escape it. I got sick as well. For anyone listening at home who maybe hasn't begun their student journey yet, freshest flu is sort of well. I say a nickname; it just is exactly what it sounds like. It seems to be something that happens to an overwhelming amount of students when you first start, and you're in what we call Freshers' Week. So many people are coming from different places. It's just like a cocktail of germs all meeting in the first week of uni, isn't it? And it's it's horrible. I'm sorry that you had that as well. Was it flu-like symptoms for you? How did you feel? Um, I just felt really sick. Like I couldn't remember what life was like without a blocked nose. <laughs> I know that feeling, <laughs> and I used to feel really bad as well because I feel so bad because I'd be like coughing and sneezing. And even though COVID wasn't a thing yet, right? Like so, people I don't think they were really that worried about getting sick, but definitely they were like, "Oh my gosh, I cannot, I can't hear what the lecturer is saying because this girl is coughing and sneezing." <laughs>、uh, you feel no, so like, bad, don't you? You feel so guilty. You're like. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the the interesting thing is though, like I think because it's common practice in Asia, at least in, like in most parts of Asia, to wear a mask when you are sick. Like I think a lot of people who did get freshest flu who were from Asian countries, we already had masks.、Um, so like I think it's interesting because like that was pre COVID, before we even knew what COVID was. I don't. I think like before COVID was even. Um, before it even existed, we were already wearing masks. That's that's such a good point, and I think it's really interesting now. Obviously, masks have become commonplace, and it does make you think like, why didn't we do this anyway? As you say, you're quite used to it. Yeah, my friend, my friend from Singapore was actually telling me that、um, even before COVID, people in Singapore and in, in Hong Kong as well, people not so much in Malaysia, I don't think, but like、um, they would they would carry masks on them. So if they see someone on public transportation,、um, <laughs> coughing or sneezing, they would just. They would just hand a stranger a mask. Yeah, I really do hope mask wearing becomes more commonplace.、Um, just because, like, I think, yeah, it is in general. It's just not nice to be sick. No, it's really not. And I, th- I think the pandemic has definitely made people more aware of not just obviously the risk of catching COVID, which nobody wants, but also just how much we do spread germs. I think you know, with the hand sanitizing and the mask wearing, now we've all got used to that. You think. Actually, why weren't we all doing this before in this country? Because yeah, it is, it's so easy to get sick, and I think now, as much as we all don't want COVID, we also just 
who wants a cold? You don't you don't want something that you can avoid. And I think it's made everybody a lot more aware of personal hygiene, washing your hands, all of those things. And those things are just as important for the common cold as they are for avoiding COVID. Yeah, um, your immune system will take a hit. Especially if you've like never lived in the UK before and you've only lived in like uh, like one country your whole life. I feel like <laughs> you just go and... Because the thing is, I think what... I, I remember um, they told us to get... Like the our local like clinic told us to get the flu jab in the UK instead of Malaysia because the strains of flu are different. So even if you had a flu jab in Malaysia, that doesn't help you at all because once you get to the UK, it's a different strain of flu. Um, so you still fall sick. <laughs> I think that's a really good point, actually. That's a very good bit of advice to people listening because you you might not know that or you might assume, well, I've, I've had the flu jab, so I'm fine. And actually, I think that says that the, the same applies to other vaccines. Obviously, the difference between starting university as an international student and a home student is there probably are more medical requirements. Like, obviously, there might be some countries you're coming from where you have to have had certain vaccines but it's also very worth checking what all of those things are um did you have to do all of that when you were first coming over here yeah i think there were like a recommended list of vaccines that to take i think one of them was for meningitis c or uh, something like something along those lines i think it was meningitis um and i was i remember thinking like i don't even i don't even i've never heard of meningitis before <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that's it isn't it you just don't know what you might be vulnerable to in another country that you might never have thought of or never have heard of it's always worth checking those things out because it can just it it can shock you I think sometimes because I've had the same in reverse when I've gone to other countries and I'm like what I have to have a vaccine for this thing I've never heard of I think one question that we get a lot and I'd love to talk to you about is I think a lot of international students struggle to know where to go and which services to use when they do fall ill. And I think what we hear a lot of is we've heard a few anecdotes from international students saying, well, I went to A&E, I was ill and I went to hospital. And we were like, oh, no, that's not you don't need to do that. But actually, there's no reason why you would know that. And I think it is one of those things when you first get to a new country that can be so confusing and also quite scary. If you're feeling unwell and you're far away from home, you can just feel very vulnerable and very afraid. So I think I can see why people think, well, I, I go to hospital or I go to where I know I'll get help. The only instances that I've heard of my friends going, or people I know going to A&E is when they're like drunk and they've like fallen down and knocked their head and then they go to A&E. Um, yeah, I mean, rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to a pharmacy in the UK before? Do you know anything about those? Okay, so I think the thing is in Malaysia and I think in a lot of like Southeast Asian countries, what you tend to do when you're sick is that you go to a clinic. But clinics don't really exist in the UK, like not in the same way we have them back here. There are like so many clinics in the proximity of my house. I would say within like the within like a 10 kilometer radius, that's probably like more than 20 clinics. So it's very accessible. It's very easy for you to get to a clinic and you don't need any prior appointments. You don't need any bookings. Um, You just walk in and like, chances are they will definitely be there um because a lot of clinics are also 24 they run like 24 hours a day but in the uk that's not the case so when you do fall sick you don't get you don't go to a clinic because there isn't a clinic there are gps but you don't and as a student you are registered with a gp but you just you don't really do that a lot of the times what i've realized about falling sick in the uk is that you self-medicate and you just kind of recuperate especially if it's for things that are less serious so for example if you have a fever um um, unless it test positive for COVID because it is a symptom of COVID but let's just say yeah let's just say it's a normal fever 
you probably will go to Boots, and I would get um paracetamol. And in I think in a lot of Southeast Asian countries, when you first go to UK, it's a bit weird as well because you know in here we know paracetamol as Panadol. So when I got there, I was like, "What even is paracetamol?" You know, it's just a lot of differences, but it is the same thing. Um, and then you just kind of self medicate, you rest. Um, but yeah, you would go to you go to a pharmacy and not a clinic. I think most international students would experience this: is that your parents are going to be very worried that you're going to fall sick. So I actually came to uni my first year with so much medication, and just like, I came with a bunch of things already: stock diarrhea medicine, like constipation, like a bunch of pills like because my parents were so worried that I fall sick and not know what to do um but I think I honestly don't think that was necessary it's the same with just going traveling or going abroad I think you almost arm yourself as though you're going to spend the entire trip like dying or ill because you just don't want to be caught in a foreign country where you don't know what to do feeling rough because also when you are feeling poorly especially if it happens to you when you first get here you might not feel like you know anyone well enough to ask for the help yeah and I think that's where it becomes really apparent that you're far away from home I mean I'm 30 years old and still if I'm ill I'm like I need my mum <laughs> like it's just natural to feel very alone and scared so I, I completely understand that mentality of people thinking I'll just bring everything for anything that could possibly go wrong um but when you mentioned about the Panadol that reminded me we I've learned recently about this there's an app um, and I'm sure there's other apps like it and websites where you can convert from you'll put it you'll put into it what the drug is in your country this is just over the counter drugs and medication but if it's something that you're looking for you can put it in and the app will tell you what the equivalent is here and i think that's a really useful thing so this particular one is called convert drugs premium um but there's others like it and i think it's a really useful tool for international students to know about because it might be something that you're like well i know what it is at home and i know what it is i need but I have no idea what that is here. Um, so that's definitely a useful thing. No, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's so helpful. I had no idea that existed. And if I did, I probably would have used it. No, I didn't either. It was literally just when I was researching for this episode and I was like, I wonder if there's a thing that does this. Oh, I will say though, like um, I, I'm at this time when I got sick and uh, with freshest flu in my third year, um, I had a cough. And I will say that I hate the way cough syrup tastes in the UK because they tend to use like, I I can't, I don't know what it is, but it's a root of something. In a lot of parts of Asia they, and Australia as well, they sell this cough medicine called Prospen and it's an ivy, dried ivy leaf extract and that it's like, it's sweet and it tastes really good. Um, and I never realized that cough medicine would taste bad. Yeah, so I will say that if like if you are thinking of bring, bringing medicine or medication to the UK, bring Prospen because you're not going to find anything similar in the UK. That's so funny. We have in the UK, when you're little and you get ill, the go-to is Calpol. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's basically, yeah, like an all-in-one kind of liquid medicine. And it's so delicious. It's sweet. It tastes like strawberries. And so when you're little, whenever you're ill, you just have a bit of Calpol. And you get to the age where you can't have Calpol anymore. And as you say, medicine then gets disgusting. And you're like, I just miss the days of Calpol. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. It was it was it was delicious. I did not have that. Maybe you should just try cowpaw next time. Yeah, I maybe I should try cowpaw. <laughs> I mean, it's for children, but it might work. 
But I, no, I agree with you. Cough medicine can be nasty. I'm sure there's some nice ones out there, but it can be. I personally find uh, when I have sort of a cough or a chesty thing, just honey, honey and lemon. A lot of home remedies, I think, can be really good for things like that, like a spoonful of honey for a tickly cough or literally honey and lemon juice and boiling water is so nice for a sore throat. So I often find that home remedies can do the trick as well. Yeah, or you can just literally eat honey. Yeah, you can find honey at any grocery store, right? And at Boots as well, any pharmacy. I think they have like Manuka honey, which is meant to, I think it's supposed to help soothe your throat more. Yeah, it's definitely proven as a health benefit. Like I think it's 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 a confirmed thing that it can do the job. Obviously with cough medicine, sometimes they have other stuff to like knock you out or make you sleepy or, but with hun- like if it's just literally to soothe those symptoms, I definitely would recommend honey. And as you say, Manuka honey especially is so good. Yeah, but I mean, I have called my GP before because I was very worried about um, just like my well-being. Then I realized that it wasn't actually like when it's, I I mean, I think it's because I'm so used to having people take care of me when like when you're sick. As, as you said, I mentioned earlier, like you want your mom when you're sick. Yeah, same, I relate completely. Um, but after a while, I think I sort of realized that as long as I just sleep and not do anything else for two days, I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that we've mentioned the GP thing. I think a lot of people, um, especially when they're coming new, have no idea what that is or what 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 the service is. So just for anyone listening who might be in that situation. So a GP in the UK, it's basically your local doctor. GP stands for general practitioner, I believe. Um, but it is basically it's your doctor. So it's a doctor that's not in a hospital. So they'll be at a doctor's surgery. I don't know. I'll come to you in, in a minute, Sushin, to ask, but whether... When you first start uni, I think a lot of unis help you get registered with a GP or otherwise it's kind of there's there's advice around for how you do that yourself. So I'd say definitely it should be one of the first things people do. You register with your GP and then that's your doctor's surgery that you can book an appointment with if anything does come up. Did you, did you sort that out fairly early on when you started? Oh, yes. The uni requires that you get it done within the first two weeks. So it was done really fast. Yeah. And I'm really lucky because my, G- my, my GP is like right next to my college. Um, and my GP is like Newnham Walk Surgery, so it's very convenient. And the doctors there are lovely. That's so good. Yeah, and that's very handy. If often I think they do try and locate ones that are close-ish to you. If not, you know that they won't. It won't be too too difficult. And did you find the system of when you first had to book an appointment with your GP was that fairly straightforward? Did anyone have to help you figure that out? No, I just rang them and they picked up fairly quickly and I just booked an appointment it was great and it's worth checking out um individually for people with their own GPs because I know lots of places do it differently some will have an online booking system some have apps that come with them as well um always worth ringing up first of all I think I find that's the easiest way but yeah you might have to wait a bit especially as you say now with COVID the waits might be longer but it's definitely worth knowing where your nearest GP is registering with that doctor because also if you wake up like if you just don't know what's going to hit you and you really are worried even just for peace of mind, sometimes it's very good to be able to just go and see a doctor in person um, and be reassured that it's not anything as well. I think they'll be able to tell whether you need antibiotics or not as well. And obviously, they're the only people who can do that. Um, so definitely worth knowing about your GP. And especially that's kind of definitely before you would think about going to emergency or anything. Long before that, you'd see your doctor. And I think actually there's also an NHS um, helpline that you can call as well if and which is great because I remember my GP was completely booked. They had no slots for appointments. So I just called the helpline. And international students, you pay for when you're applying for your BRP, your like uh, biometric residence permit, you do pay like a fee for 
the NH for NHS services as well. Um, I think that's included. So then, um, you know, you should use the resources resources available because they're they're really amazing. Like I think it they've made it so accessible for many people. So you just call up, and if they're busy at the moment at that time you're calling, then you just they'll call you back normally within like three hours, and then then they'll just send a prescription to your to like the nearest pharmacy to you, and you can just pick it up like on the day itself or the day after. It's a brilliant service. That so, yeah. I was going to go into um, helplines and numbers to call because that's really useful. Because obviously, I think most people by the time they get here will know nine 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 is for an emergency. But one 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 is the number that that Sushen is talking about. So it's the NHS helpline, and it's something you can call, which is not nine nine nine. But if you are worried, and especially if you're not quite sure how serious something is, like I remember having to do this in my first year of uni. I'd had a stupid, as we said earlier, drunken injury. I think I injured myself more in the first year of uni than I ever had in my whole life before that point. <laughs> I just suddenly became clumsy. I'd never broken a bone in my life and suddenly I was in A&E all the time. I think I'd broken my toe or something and didn't think much of it. I was like, toes just heal themselves, it's fine. Wasn't really doing anything about it and then I probably should have been keeping my foot elevated and doing all that, but I didn't think anything of it and then the foot started to go a little bit of a weird colour and really cold and I was like, okay, that's definitely not normal. But I didn't want to call 999 because I was thinking, well, I'm not dying. So then, yeah, that was when I first, one of my friends, I think, said, oh, you should call 111. And they were just brilliant. Like, they, they kind of, they can assess how serious the situation is they'll they'll give you advice they'll say whether you need to go to hospital or not and it's also just reassuring to have a number that you can call that's less drastic than 999 but you will get get that service definitely i think a friend of mine who will remain unnamed <laughs> she i mean she had she had a uti and she was a could call 111 to like and then go to her local boots and like get diagnosed by like a pharmacist there so i think it's not just like you know if you're sick with like the flu or anything. I think I think like you'll find in the UK compared to like a lot of countries, like for example, compared to Malaysia, compared to like I think quite a few countries in Southeast Asia, like the resources for like sexual health are a lot stronger and more accessible in the UK. Yeah, there like a lot of like sexual health clinics and like stuff like that. I think which which is like it's stuff that you should definitely be aware of, especially if. Yeah, especially since like it's not something that we know to be available where we come from. Yeah, no, I I was going to say that. Yeah, that's definitely a big one that again we hear a lot of questions about. We we've covered quite a bit on our website, but it's definitely a talking point. Is that yes, yeah, the sexual health clinics and just sexual health services, as you say in the UK, they're really great, and I think a lot of countries you wouldn't you wouldn't arrive knowing that because as you say if you're from a country where that's not that accessible or even talked about i think if it's not if you come from a country where that's quite conservative you wouldn't arrive expecting that and you could find yourself in a sticky situation where you panic and especially if especially if you're embarrassed as well you might not know what these services are and i don't know i'm assuming unis do speak about that and make make that apparent but that's another really useful service is that it that is its own service as well you you wouldn't have to go through your gp if you didn't want to you can go to a sexual health clinic it's completely anonymous like nobody no one else needs to know about it it doesn't have to go on any gp records um and you can get very quick service there so i think that's a really really good good point good tip yeah we can for example i think if you if you want to get contraceptives as well like i i you know <laughs> i i never knew condoms would be free but then like i remember my first week 
like at Freshers Fair, which is where they sort of like introduce you to all, you go to like there are a bunch of stalls with all the extracurriculars and stuff like that at uni. There'll be all these like free condoms and like free like pregnancy test kits. And I was like, at first I was a bit, I think that for me was like a bit, because everyone was so open about it. But I think it's actually a really good thing because you know that if you need anything, the resources are there. And if you want to get on birth control, like you can just contact your GP and they will have a consultation with you and they can help you assess what pill would be like the best or what option would be the best for you if you know if you don't want to go on the pill and then you just pick up and it's all free like which is crazy it's it's amazing i mean i think i think definitely more people should know about this and i think i had no idea that was a thing when i when i first came to university so i think it's like worth noting that if you need anything like you should you should definitely be aware that these resources are available like you go go to your gp if there are even services which send you like the morning after pill, the, like you can just order it online and it gets delivered for, I think, about £10. You can also get those in pharmacies. I think you can the, go, Boots, I think, do it and several pharmacies up and down the country. Like you, you can literally just walk in and go to the counter and it's all quite discreet. And if you say that you need the emergency contraceptive pill, they'll take you, take you into a little room sometimes. Or, but, but it's all very discreetly done and you can literally get it there and then. And I think that's really important for people to know about as well because that can be quite scary if you find yourself in that situation and it's just anything to make that easier and it's really good because they talk you through all the all the they took they talk i think what they do is they talk you through everything i've got a couple of friends who have like who said that they basically like their gp or the boots the person like the pharmacist at boots will like explain everything to you step by step so you don't get too overwhelmed by the entire process of it um which is really helpful and really amazing and it takes all the judgment and shame out of it, which might might not be an issue for some people, but I can imagine for a lot of international students that might be an, an issue, especially if it's their first time here and they're, as you say, not used to that quite liberal approach to it. No, yeah. Yeah, you kind of, it's, it's, it's a very important service, I think. I think it's vital and it's important for people to see that that doesn't have to be this kind of shameful thing at all. Yeah. I mean, it's a very t- taboo topic in Malaysia at least. So I think it's very, it's, it's, very refreshing and I think very important that it's so openly discussed in the UK. I agree. I think it's amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing service. So we've covered quite a lot there about like where you would go in, in different types of medical emergencies or non-emergencies. And we've spoken on and off a bit about pharmacies, but I think this is one that a lot of people, not just even international students, just generally, I think people don't realise how much you can do at a pharmacy by way of the services they offer and I think it's a good port of call if you can't get a doctor's appointment as soon as you'd like and going to hospital seems too drastic obviously there's the helplines but you can also go into a pharmacy and explain your symptoms so if it's something like a rash or something that's worrying you a bit but you think might be treatable over the counter pharmacists are highly trained people and they can they can often diagnose things as well and they might say okay I think you need to go to the doctors or the hospital but it's again it's another person who you can go see and like they are all walking and they're everywhere a lot of people maybe might not even know where to look but as you say, Boots is close to you. So Boots is a chain pharmacy, but there's often, there's nearly always, even in villages, a local pharmacy that you can go to. And I think that's a very important one for people to know about. And then lastly, on the helplines. So obviously we've spoken about 111 and 999. And there's slightly confusingly, because it's all the same numbers at the moment, there's 119, <laughs> um, which is specifically the COVID helpline, which is just, you know, for anyone obviously these crazy times we're living in definitely one worth <laughs> yeah but i think also don't be 
I think when I was sick, I felt very, I, 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 I felt very lucky to be like living in a dorm with like my friends. So they could like, they were very, they were all so nice. And they checked up on me when I was sick. And I think like, um, it is important. Like I, I had finished my stash of medicine by third year, obviously. And then, and, but my friend, <laughs> like one of my really good friends in uni, Charlotte, she had, she still had her stash because you know, she, she's, <laughs> She's been very healthy in uni, yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, so she's, she was, she's been lucky. Yeah, she has. So she would share her stash with me, which I really appreciated. Um, and I think, I think when you're actually too sick, you should you should let your friends know. You know, just like at home, this when you're home, there's probably someone checking on you, like your siblings or your like your parents, like checking in on you, checking on you, just to make sure you know you're like okay. Um, but I think it's also it's really nice because I think in university, like you should tell your friends that you are sick and like, you know, check in with them maybe like every other hour just so they know that you're all right. Um, and they know that, you know, and so that if, if they don't hear from you from like a very long time, they would automatically be like a bit, oh no, you know, I should probably see if she's all right. I completely agree. I think it's, it's probably one of the things that's a bit trickier to do. And especially the earlier on you are, in your term or having moved here the harder it is but I think it's so important that somebody knows even if you don't think you're that sick and you think oh it's nothing I don't want to be a burden on anyone I don't know these people that well tell somebody like let somebody know and as you say I think generally people are so kind in that situation I remember it being a really it it was a staple of my uni experience because as I say we were always someone was always getting ill or injured (laughs) it's just part of university and I think you will look after each other. And again, especially if it's your first time living away from home. And as you rightly say, you're used to somebody looking after you when you're little, you're ill, you're looked after around the clock. And that shouldn't change if you're at university and just definitely tell someone and make your flatmates aware. Um, Especially if it's something that means you're not going to be leaving your bed. Tell them if for no other reason than, you know, they might wonder where you've gone. (laughs) They might be like, why hasn't she left her room? (laughs) I find that your friends kind of take on the role of your family like when you're in uni. Completely agree. And that's one of the best bits about it. So actually, what what might start as something very rubbish in the form of an illness could end up creating bonding experiences and memories. Yeah, I mean, I had I think I just came back to Malaysia, right? But like a lot of my friends who went on a ski trip during Christmas, they all got COVID. And I feel that was very much... It was not very... I mean, obviously it was not great, but I feel like it was... I mean, everyone's looking out for each other, trying to make sure, trying to make sure that everyone's like okay in quarantine and stuff like that. So, despite all the chaos and like, you know, the sickness, like everyone did. I mean, there's like a positive light that kind of shines through, and that like everyone has so much care for each other. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest tip for sure. So, from where to go if slash when you do fall ill to. Obviously, as I say, I think it is an inevitability that at some point you probably will. But let's still talk about tips to avoid getting sick because nobody wants to get sick. And if you can do all the right things, then why not? We've already spoken a bit about, obviously, post-COVID masks, hand sanitizer are a given. But I also think one is try and sort of stay away to stop the spread. I think this is one that's hard to do at uni as well is when you're first going to classes and things, I think people feel like, they can't miss anything and they have to be they have to kind of push through it whereas actually for the for the sake of other people not getting sick i think it is more than okay to retreat and not go to class if you're sick what what do you think about that 
Oh, definitely. I think like when I was sick, I literally emailed all my, like I had so much work to do the next week, and I emailed all my supervisors, being like, I, there is no way I can do this. I am. I have a fever. I'm sniffling. I'm so so sorry, and I will make up for it at some point. But I just need to sleep for the next two days. And everyone was really understanding. Like obvi- I mean, they know that you're not a machine. They know you're not a robot. You're gonna be sick, and they completely understand. Um, obviously, you do need to get. The work done at some point, but you know they're not. They're not going to hold a grudge against you for not having done your work while you were sick. And of course, if you are worried about missing notes, I think nowadays with COVID, a lot of lectures are recorded online. Feel free to reach out to people to get notes as well. I mean, like I feel like people will be more than willing to share, especially if they know you're sick, and they'll probably appreciate the fact that you're not coming into class to you know infect them. And also, I guess like it's a bit of like a it is is you're sick on like two levels as well because. Not only will you be sick physically from your cold or like COVID or whatever, like you would also be sick because you'd just be like so mentally tired and mentally drained from having to do work on top of being physically unwell. I think it's a toll that you should not let your body take. It's just too much stress, and I think you just need. Yeah, I I think your your tutors, your supervisors, your lecturers would want you to prioritize your welfare over work in. Every situation, yeah, and I also think if you if what can start out as a cold or whatever, I think it's very it's a very real thing that you can make yourself a lot iller by not just acting quickly. And I think sometimes you think you're doing yourself and everyone else a favor by like, oh, I'm just going to push through this, but actually you'll probably be ill for like three times as long as you would have been. And I think I think it's hard when your mentality is to push through, but actually sometimes you just got to listen to what your body is telling you, and your body will tell you <laughs> when to stop. Like, I think in terms of tips on how to prevent being sick before, like, prevent being sick and not prolonging prolonging sickness, like, I would say um, there's this quite a popular vitamin ta- C tablet in Asia. It's like Redoxon or Barocca. So you take it, and, and but they sell, they sell Barocca, they sell it in the UK, right? Like, they sell it at Boots, at any pharmacy. Yeah. So you just, like, I, I drink one, like, every morning just because I don't want, I don't want to get sick. <laughs> And as well, if you make it, as you say, just part of your kind of morning routine, you're not even really thinking about it. But um, zinc is another one. I definitely, I swear by zinc. It's just, just really boosts your immune system, vitamin C and zinc. And are there any others that you take? I know some of my friends, because we come from countries which like have sunlight literally from 7am to 7pm. So a lot of my friends get like seasonal depression. Um, So they take like vitamin D pills, which help a lot. Uh, Yeah, like, I mean... Sometimes in the UK during winter, it's cold, you're sick, and the sun's setting at 3pm. It's not It's not an ideal situation. So, you know, that might be something to consider as well. Um, but other than that, just like, you know, I think getting enough sleep, honestly, is a very big one. I like make sure I sleep eight hours every single day. I agree. I completely agree. I think sleep should never be underestimated. And sleep and fluids as well, I think... It, the same goes for when you're actually ill, but also preventing getting ill. I think if you're sleeping enough and drinking enough, just drink drink a lot of water, do all the things that you almost take for granted and just think, well, obviously, but actually I think a lot of the time when you're a student, without even noticing, those are the things that fall fall away a bit, especially if you're busier than you have been and socialising more. It's very easy to get into a funny sleep pattern as a student, I think, especially with deadlines and things. And I remember working a lot of all-nighters in the library. <laughs> <laughs> not good for your health i haven't done an all-nighter yet oh don't no i i, <laughs> I don't dr- <laughs> i don't drink coffee so it's it's like so all, all I, I don't think i could i could survive it's not good i would not recommend <laughs> 
Or you could install the, those like sleeping apps, which like only wake you up when you're like at your light phase of sleeping. I've used those before because I'm quite a bad sleeper anyway. Probably all those all nighters in the library at uni. <laughs> but I find those apps work definitely. Like I don't know, I can't speak for other people, but for me, I find them really great. Oh, but I, say, I will say like alarms are useful for like remembering to take your vitamins and your yeah in the morning. So if you set like an an alarm every day at like nine thirty to take your Barocca. <laughs> I love that Barocca seems to be universal. Barocca is so good though. It's great for a hangover as well. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Now I do. <laughs> and it just, just perks you up. But yeah, definitely good for, for avoiding illness as well. I also find that ginger tea is very good for when you have like a sore throat. Ginger's got so many health benefits, doesn't it? And it's good for settling your stomach, I think. And yeah, there's a lot of herbal remedies and home remedies that, that are really useful. So you, we we did touch on it a bit already, but I think it's it'll be very useful for people to hear about what to do in terms of uni. I know you said as soon as you fell ill, you were like, I emailed all my tutors, which I think is absolutely the right thing to do. I think it's another thing that a lot of people might find daunting, especially if they're doing it for the first time. So did you just email them all directly and say, look, I'm I'm not well and this is this is how long I'll be off for? How did you approach that? Yeah, I mean, the way it works at Cambridge is that most people, they have a director of studies. And then you have like supervisors. So then I, what I did was I I told my director of studies first, who's like kind of in charge of my work at Cambridge. And my supervisors are people who I have like, I guess, lessons with. So then I would, I told her first and then like I CC'd all my supervisors. And then I just, and after I, I mean, no, when I, sorry, I told my director of studies first. And then when I emailed my tutors and my like supervisors, I CC'd my director of studies so that they would know that I wasn't just making it up I, I had told my DOS yeah that's that's a hard thing isn't it and again I think that comes from I, I don't know like if it's different in different countries but certainly I think it's a bit of a universal feeling to feel a bit yeah as you say feel a bit like you're making it up and I think just trust yourself to make that decision I think is probably my advice on that on that front trust yourself that you're not making it up <laughs> yeah and also trust that they they will I mean you're you're your lecturers and your tutors they are all people who have been who are human and they've been sick as well so you know they be, they will be empathetic towards your situation and i think i, I think like the first time i emailed uh, a supervisor saying I, I was sick there was no way i could handle work on time i was like oh my gosh i'm going to get scolded <laughs> i'm gonna get punished but that doesn't happen it's just uh, yeah it, it, it won't happen in uni definitely not in uni they will they will understand more they're gonna treat you like adults yeah that's it and also you're paying to be there most of the time and it's like this is it's something that's for you I think that they kind of treat you and trust you in that sense of like if if you're you know you're missing out on it so if you're making that call it must be the right call for you there's no benefit of faking it or anything like that it's just there's no point to that so I think yeah you're treated with respect to make that call yourself yeah and I think like extenuating circumstances in uni like um when you do let the people like uh, your like director of studies know they will help you out in a lot of things I think they'll help you out in many many ways and I think it's worth noting that like they'll be quite I mean like they are very supportive throughout the, pro- the process obviously I'm not speaking for per- from personal experience I'm speaking from like what I've heard from friends but I think they they have a lot of mechanisms in place to help you with anything you might be experiencing so like there's no yeah, there's no shame in like re- in, in like letting them know. I know some people 
will have longer term health problems and they might come up as a new thing or it might be something that they could start uni knowing they're going to have to deal with there will be services I find the support for those sort of things that at every uni there will be a support for that and things like extending your deadlines if it's an ongoing health issue you can that there are ways to navigate that and still be able to complete your degree definitely so we'll we'll just start to wrap up now with general tips and we've probably already covered a lot of them but what would be your sort of general list of tips and advice for anyone listening who falls ill what what's your go to what would you tell them to do well i think like whenever i'm sick what i've what i've started doing is that like and um i will just cook like a huge pot of like soup and then throughout the throughout the like few days i'm sick i would just keep like slowly finish the whole thing so that I don't have to keep cooking because I find that when I'm sick I don't really want takeaway even though that's the easiest option I want like soup and that's kind of all I want you want comfort food don't you and I think sometimes takeaways don't quite hit that spot um and as you say I I absolutely agree with that the last thing I want to do when I'm ill is cook for myself and I love to cook but it's just you don't really want to do any of those things of like the general looking after yourself because you just don't have the energy like either either you want someone looking after you or yeah if you do have that where you can you have the energy on day one cook in bulk is such a good tip because then you can just keep on heating it up I think yeah make sure you have nice things and also have nice treats I think is one that often goes a bit underestimated is if you're ill it's horrible we all know it's horrible but it doesn't have to be awful yeah do a face mask light a candle journal like you know self-care you obviously when you fall sick obviously you haven't been taking care of yourself so you got you gotta like just amp up on in all aspects absolutely yeah treat yourself (laughs) definitely So we're coming to the end of the episode now. We we like to wrap up our podcast episodes with what we call our do's and don'ts. So obviously we've talked about millions of them already, but what is your main do and don't on the topic of what to do when you get sick? I, I think I would say like my main do again is just like prioritizing your health over over um, your work. So just again, stop everything and sleep. That is my main do. My main don't is continuing to force yourself to work. I, I mean, it's the same thing, but actually, yeah, no, maybe, maybe my, maybe, maybe my main do would be, would be take Baraka <laughs> as a preventative measure and then just don't work if you're already sick. Yes, that's it. That's what I'm going to go with. I think both, both great tips. I think my main do, actually, I thought it when we said it earlier um, that you brought up is do ask your flatmates or your friends for help or at the very least do tell somebody that you're sick I just think it's so important and I do think it's one of the harder ones to do certainly for some people I know people get quite proud about these things but it's just the best thing you can do you'll feel less alone you'll have people checking in on you and it just brings out the best in people I think you'll you'll be surprised even as early on as freshers I think people will really look after each other because you're all in the same boat as well um and I'm sure that they just think how they would feel if they were in that situation. So I think that is definitely my biggest do. And don't. It would be, it sounds it sounds obvious, but don't feel overwhelmed by almost the number of options of places to go and advice to seek. I, and I mean, when I say that, I mean, you know, definitely work all of those options out, get the advice and the information from everywhere, but don't worry about it as though that's just too much. I can't pro- properly process that. I think once you break it down and also sometimes it just takes doing it a couple of times like 
registering with your GP or going to your first appointment. All of these things might sound very foreign and sound like a lot, but once you know what you're doing and there are people to help you, it'll just become part of your life in the UK. I think that's a, yeah, that's a great point. Well, it's been so lovely speaking to you and hopefully anyone listening who is feeling a bit under the weather, which I'm sure there are many given what's happening at the moment and the time of year we're speaking in, just don't feel don't feel disheartened. We understand. We've been there. <laughs> It'll all be okay. So thank you, Sushan, for joining us. It's been so lovely to have you. Thank you for having me. And for all our listeners, we'll see you soon.